Amen? Well, Jesus is a way maker, and uh, we live in a time where we need a way maker. And uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 10. So I would invite you to open up your Bibles or your device uh, to John chapter 10. Now, to let you know, to get into 10, we got to look back at 9. And that's what we looked at the last couple of weeks. Jesus has healed a man born blind. And the religious community did not like that idea for two reasons. One, it took the focus off of them and their position and put them at risk religiously. And number two, he did it on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath, which was Saturday. And they had created a lot of rules which said you couldn't do anything, even a good deed, on the Sabbath. And so they're pushing back against Jesus, trying to find fault against Jesus. And uh, Jesus today begins to speak and he's going to pump up his followers. Now that's a little bit in jest because what he says about you as a Jesus follower, what he says about me as a Jesus follower, often is not what we like to think about ourselves as. And so we're going to get into that today. I want you to know if you are a Christian, if you claim and proclaim Christianity, in a nutshell, it means you are a follower of Jesus. It means you want to do what He says to do. You want to act like He says to act. You want to speak like He says to speak. And you want to love universally and generally like He says you are to love. And so we follow Jesus. We act like Him. We speak like Him. We do what He says to do. There's a lot of people who say they're Christian, but they don't follow Jesus. I want to be very, very clear to everybody listening. You cannot be a Christian and not follow Jesus. If you don't follow Jesus, you are not a Christian. It is that simple. Now, sometimes we don't like it that clear cut. We like to live in the fog. The world oftentimes likes to live in the gray areas of Christianity. And so today... Jesus is going to paint a picture of what it means to really follow Him. And He's going to use uh, an anthropomorphic term. It would be a word you would use. In other words, He's going to go to the side and use, bring in a, a, an object lesson to paint a picture of who you and I are supposed to be as Christians. Are you ready? You and I are sheep. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have no option but to be a sheep. If you don't follow Jesus, you're not a sheep. You might look a little bit like a sheep. You might sound a little bit like a sheep. You might eat some of the same food as a sheep, but you're not a sheep. You're a goat. And so right now, I want you to know, and this is the title of the message this week and next week, I am glad that I am a sheep. And I want to help you understand today why every Christian, every follower of Jesus has a reason to be glad that we are a sheep. Glad that Jesus would choose to call us a sheep. If you're glad you're a sheep, I want you to look at the person next to you uh, and say, bah. Yeah. yeah, you don't get to do it with a microphone, so it's not near as impressive. Okay, it is never really that impressive to say, Okay, it's never really that impressive to say, thank you, God, that I am a sheep. Now, let's look into John chapter 10. 
In verses 1 through 5, Jesus speaks to the religious community and He speaks to you and I today. And basically He says, He gives them a story, a parable, a side. He's trying to, pre, to communicate a truth, bringing it in the side door. And, and, and they don't get it. And in verse 6, He says, Jesus told them this parable, but they did not understand what He was saying to them. Jesus' analogy flew right over their head, and quite honestly, they didn't want to hear it. Uh, often people don't want to hear that, that, that God is bigger than we are, that God doesn't choose to let us do whatever we want to do and still maintain a right relationship with Him. People want to live like they want to live, People want to live in freedom of, of making their own decisions, and God simply doesn't do it that way. Uh, the Pharisees did not want to be sheep. And so listen, 2,000 years later, those who want to follow Jesus are sheep, and those who don't are not. So I, I want us to see today why it's so amazing to be a sheep. Why, it's, why it, we should be excited and happy that we are sheep. Because as a sheep, in God's economy, we have a shepherd. Now, our shepherd is no ordinary shepherd. Our shepherd is the good shepherd. Our shepherd is the epitome, the picture, the true definition, the reality of what and who a shepherd should be. And so he begins... And he's going to tell them the same parable over again. Why? Because he really wanted them to get, and he really wants us to get this truth, this reality, that he's a shepherd and we are sheep. Listen what he says in verse 7. So Jesus now said again, I tell you the solemn truth. Okay? Look at the person with you and say he's, he's telling the truth. You see, it's a big deal. He wants you to get this, okay? He says, I want you to lean in. I'm getting ready to tell you something that is the absolute solemn truth. He says, I am the door for the sheep. So the first point is Jesus is going to talk about being a door. And he says, I am the door for the sheep. I want you to know today, Point number one, the shepherd is an exclusive door. An exclusive door. It's like members only can come into this door. Uh, I would have been able to say it's like the men's restroom is a, an exclusive door for men or the women's restroom is an exclusive door for women, but stupidity got in the way and now we can't even get that right. And so I want you to know Jesus is an exclusive door. Now, here's what he says. Here's what he is saying. He says, I am the door for the sheep. Look at your neighbor and say, bah. if you're a sheep, Jesus is your door. And, and, and I want you to know, it's kind of funny that Jesus doesn't really care what animal in the animal kingdom we think we are most like. He has already defined you. He has already nailed that one down, and it is a sheep. And, and some people would say, you know, I don't know why I couldn't have, why he couldn't have used like the, the majestic look of a, 
of a, um, oh, what's the, a peacock. Why couldn't he call me a peacock? Man, those things are beautiful. We got people in our church, the, the Myers have a peacock in their yard and the Downs have a, a peacock in their subdivision, man. And everybody just oozing and over the majestic look of the peacock, okay? Not, not a peacock, you're not a peacock. Or, or why couldn't he have chosen a thoroughbred stallion? Man, just the, the, the power of a thoroughbred horse. Why, why couldn't he, not, you're not a stallion, okay? Why couldn't he have chosen even the diligence of the laboring ant? And we've all watched ants the size of the tip of pencil lead carrying a breadcrumb the size of a nickel. Why couldn't he even that? Not that. Why not the royalty of a lion? The, the kingly nature, the king of the jungle. Why not, not a lion? Why not the swift action, the swift movement? of the cheetah, not the cheetah, not, not the cheetah. What about the gracefulness of a swooping eagle? That would be a good one. He, he, he didn't choose any of that that he created. You're not any of that royal beauty. You are bah, a sheep. You get it? Jesus wants us to know that we are not nearly as cool and nearly as good as we would like to think that we are. The creator and sustainer of all of the animal kingdom says, listen, you are the apex of creation. You do have the power within you to change the world around you. You have a mind and a body to work and accomplish great things. You are created in the image of God. You do demonstrate agility and swiftness to run and you demonstrate it usually to run after other things but at the end of the day from my god-sized vantage point you simply my friend are bah, a sheep all right do you get the point look at your neighbor and said you look an awful sheepy today especially in this early service you're looking a little sheepy that's a little joke right there. It went right over your car. All right? Now, so let's just drop the pride, stop pretending, and own the reality that we are a sheep. Now, he, he wants us to know that he is the door for the sheep. So, so as a sheep, we have a special, exclusive, well-defined door of entry. Now, this is cool. I want you to listen. If he is the singular door and we are all sheep, this is the good part. There is no discrimination with God. There is exclusivity with God, but there is no discrimination. Um, when I go to God, I go through my door, who is my shepherd, whose name is Jesus. When Chris Baldwin goes to God, he goes through his shepherd, his door, it is the same Jesus. No matter who we are, where we are, we all have the same door and the same shepherd. And that's good news. He's the same for every single one of his sheep. Now, the fact is, the exclusivity of this door is something that the Christian community often takes a lot of heat about. You see, there's a world out there that wants to say, well, your religion or your faith or your theology is 
a little narrow-minded. It's a little um, too tightly focused. You don't leave any way, any means for anybody else to have a relationship with God or to have hope that one day we go to heaven unless it's Jesus. And they accuse us of being too narrow-minded. They, they are accusing us correctly. We are narrow-minded because God is narrow-minded. His mind is, has narrowed down the parameters of who we have to be, narrowed down the parameters of our access to God, of our access to heaven. It is a narrow focus. He says, I am the door. I am the door for the sheep. If you are a sheep or ever hoped to be a sheep or ever was a sheep, He's your door and that's it. And apart from Him as the door, you are not a sheep. You're a goat. And that's a whole different door. We'll talk about that one a little later. Now, Jesus does not need 2,000 years ago and He does not need today the approval of CNN or Whoopi Goldberg or some liberal professor educated beyond the means of his intelligence. He does not need their approval. You see, because God is a timeless truth. He, his truth never changes. When Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago, He was speaking a truth that existed before time as we know it ever began. Before the creation of the world, God was truth. And so when Jesus, God in the flesh, comes to this earth and speaks, He's just revealing an eternal truth. You see, the people that push back against eternal truth, um, they don't like the consistency of God's truth because it pushes through all time. The only thing consistent about other ideas of truth is the consistency of how much they change. You see, that's their consistency. It's always moving, always evolving, always changing. And yet the truth, Jesus, His, His message never changes. And it's always 100% accurate. Now, you can say, well, maybe I'm reading a little too much into this as a preacher. Maybe I'm sharing this as a, a, a firmer truth than it really is. That Jesus is really the only door for a sheep to enter in. Well, he magnifies it in other places. He says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, he says, enter by the narrow gate. There's that narrow-mindedness. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow, narrow-minded, here it is, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. John 14, 6, Jesus said again, He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You know what my prayer is that this pandemic, that this worldwide virus what my prayer is that it does more than anything else is to help people understand that we're really not that amazing. That we are really not that much in control. 
that really we're just a bunch of sheep meandering around this rock flying through the sky. But there's a shepherd and there's a God who is amazing and who has it all under control. So, so right now, I, I want you to ask yourself a question. And the question to self is this, am I a sheep or not? Do I really follow Jesus or do I just want Jesus to give me an escape from hell one day? You see, there's a lot of people that want a savior, somebody to pay their sin debt. So one day they won't spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But there's a, a lot of people who want that side of Jesus, but they really don't want a shepherd. They really don't want a Lord Jesus. They just want a Savior Jesus. I want you to know there is no life. There is no hope apart from Jesus being the Lord and the shepherd of your life because He is an exclusive door. I am glad I am a sheep. Number one, because I have a shepherd who is my door. He is an exclusive door for me and He's an exclusive door for you. Number two, I want you to see that the shepherd now identifies another door. He identifies the trap door. You know the trap door, like standing on this stage, they could have some pins underneath and pull the pins and the door would open and I would disappear. And I know you don't want that. Amen, blow your horn. I think everybody blew their horn but Kendra. I did not hear her horn blow over here. All right? No, we, it, that's what a trap door is. And now Jesus, who is the exclusive door, points to another door, and it's the trap door. Listen what he says in verse 8. He says, all who came before me <coughs> were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now in the Bible, you've read this before, thieves and robbers, thieves and robbers, thieves and robbers. These are two very distinct Greek words. And they're used for a reason. Because Jesus now is painting a picture of the trap door. The do not the exclusive door into life, but the trap door into death. And He is talking about the enemy. And He says the enemy and those people that Satan or the enemy has used in the past, they are thieves and robbers. Now, now listen. Why he says this. In the Greek, the word for a thief is ekleptis. Ekleptis. And we may have heard the word ekleptomaniac. Somebody who is a thief. Now by definition, the first group of people who are trying to create a trap door for you, used by the enemy, is ekleptis. He is a planned stealer. He is always thinking of a way to successfully take something that is not rightfully His. That's the first one, a kleptis. The other group, the robbers, is an estes in Greek. It means someone who uses force to take something that does not belong to Him. It is like a mugger. And so Jesus now says, <clears throat> other than me, the others who present opportunities to you, they're thieves and robbers. 
They're always out to take. Jesus wants to know, wants you to know that there is an enemy out there who hates you. He hates the sheep. He is a wolf and he hates the sheep. Now, why <coughs> would he hate you so much? Why would he hate me so much? He hates people because first, we were created in the image of God and he was not. He hates people because we are the object of his love and Lucifer and Satan are not. He hates us thirdly because in Jesus, the exclusive door, we can be rescued from bondage to him because of our sin nature. We can be delivered from the curse that sin brings on us and he cannot or will not ever be delivered from the curse that he is under and so he hates us. And so in his hatred for us, he watches you in your pursuit of God. He sees the very moment that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and invites you in relationship with God through Jesus' Son. He, he watches you ponder the idea of, of such an amazing grace gift. And, and then maybe he watches as you give your life and surrender into the finished work of Jesus. A long time ago, uh, 47 years ago, the enemy watched me as I was a child of the devil, not a child of Jesus, not a child of God. He watched me as I was bound in my sin, in my lost condition. And, and he watched this ignorant little boy listen to the preacher share the gospel. And he watched as I wrestled with that idea, as I found myself confused by that uh, proposition. And he watched as I struggled with, with, with the inner turmoil of being aware of my sinful condition and the, 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 the beauty that God still loved me. He watched me. He, he watched me as at the end of that revival, I walked down the aisle and gave my life to Jesus. He watched that and he hated it. And ever since that moment, he has tried to play the position of a kleptis and an estes, a thief and a robber, planning to take back what's not rightfully his, planning to, to take, <clears throat> even if it means by force, to take away what God has given me. I, I want you to know the reason Jesus, on the heels of saying, I am an exclusive door, for these sheep. On the hills of saying that great truth, why does he move from that to there are others who are thieves and robbers? Because he wants you to know and he wants me to know that as his children, we are sheep. And as his children, that we have an enemy who is a wolf. Or maybe not a wolf, maybe a roaring lion. You see, Peter weighs in on our enemy, the thief and the robber. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. So there's your picture. There's your proof. You're a sheep. 
and the devil is a lion. Now, the problem with that, the reason Jesus wants to be so articulate about us being sheep as children of His, He wants you to know the enemy is not a sheep. He's not even a goat. He's not a peacock or an ant or any of those other animals. He is painted as a wolf and a lion. And so when He comes into our arena to steal, either by force or by strategic plan, the victory that we have in Jesus, the life, the freedom that we have in Jesus, He wants you to know in defense, on your own, you really got nothing. You have no sharp teeth. You have no powerful talons. You have no poisonous venom. You have no stinking fog spray. You have no massive, powerful, lunging power. You, know, you have no great speed and agility to avoid and run away from the enemy. That is the moment that we just simply remember, I don't have any of that enemy. I don't have any of that lion. I don't have any of that wolf. But what I do have is a shepherd. And all I need to do is let the enemy know, I don't know who you think I am, but in case you can't tell by looking, bah, I'm a sheep. And you have picked the fight with the wrong person. You picked the fight with the sheep. I don't fight my own battles. I don't have anything to defend myself, but I got a shepherd. And he's no ordinary shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And my shepherd will fight my battles for me. So right now, let's just practice. Bah, let me hear it. I could not hear one bah. Somebody give me a bah I can hear. Oh, that was beautiful. You're an excellent sheep, Rhonda. All right. Now, here's the thing. I want you to know this. I think today the Lord Jesus would have us know that many of our defeats in this life, many of our failures in this life are all because we forgot that we're a sheep. And as a sheep, we will never successfully fight our own fights. And I think the Lord Jesus just wants us to practice saying bye because I think He's just waiting for His sheep. When they encounter the wolf, when they encounter the lion, when they encounter the enemy. I think Jesus just wants us every day to go, bah, you got this. Because He is our shepherd. Number three, I want you to know that the shepherd is not only our exclusive door, and not only does He point us to the trap door, Jesus as the shepherd is our delivery door. I worked in a grocery store growing up and there there was the door where you would go in and buy your groceries and you would exit the store. There was other doors in the building, but there was a particular door that had a big sign that said deliveries. And that is the delivery door where something is provided through the delivery door. Now, <clears throat> in verse 9, Jesus lets us know He's the delivery door. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. You, you, you see, when we go through 
the right door, He delivers something to us. We gain something by going through that door. You know what He delivers? You ready? Deliverance. He says He will be saved. When we go through Jesus, the right delivery door, we are saved. We are delivered from captivity. We are delivered from bondage. We are delivered from hopelessness. We are delivered from defeat to the enemy. We are delivered from an eternity separated from God because of our sinful condition. At the delivery door, Jesus provides deliverance. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It says, and there is salvation in no one else. There is deliverance through no other door. He says, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I want you to know, Jesus is not only the exclusive door for these sheep, Jesus is the door of deliverance and there is no other deliverance door. There is no other name. There's no great individual. There's no great religion. There's no great deed. There is a name and a door and a way to deliverance. And His name is Jesus. Uh, I remember for several years, I would go to the Tennessee-Alabama football game for about 25 years. I, did, I, did, I don't think I missed a game hardly. And it got really hard to find tickets. Well, some of those years. And I, I stumbled across an amazing system to beat the system. What would happen was when no tickets were available or they were wanting way too much money for them, I would go to the player guest gate. It didn't matter if it was at Neyland Stadium or if it didn't matter if it was at Legion Field in Alabama. I would go to the player guest gate. And I started telling my friends about it. And we would go to the player guest gate. And right at game time, they would have a stack of tickets of unclaimed players guest tickets where their family members didn't make the trip. And so those are going to be unoccupied seats. Now they weren't supposed to sell those tickets, but if you found the right person and you offered them a little cash, all of a sudden you became a player guest. Now the point of that is this, we weren't going through the main gate and we weren't going through the right gate. And quite honestly, we probably weren't going through a legal gate. But we found a way to get into the game going through the player guest gate. I want you to know today, there is no side gate. There is no player guest gate. There is no one who can go through the gate for you. You can't go through the gate under somebody else's credentials. There's only one door, one gate by which we enter heaven and relationship with God and deliverance from the enemy, and His name is Jesus. Amen? So our shepherd is a delivery door. Now, now the next one I, I think is kind of fun. And, and, and when I saw this, it, it reminded me of being a kid. The shepherd is a revolving door. He is a revolving door. Now, I'm not talking about our salvation. It's not like... I go out this side, I'm saved. I come out this side, I'm lost. You can't unwork the finished work of Jesus. It took me a long time to find security in my salvation. And it happened when I realized 
I am only saved because of what Jesus has done. I am not saved because I am good enough to be saved. I am not saved because of my credentials. I am saved, born again, bought with the blood of Jesus because He has done all the work. And for me to think I can lose my salvation because of my bad work, it makes my bad work bigger than His finished good work. And that, my friend, is foolishness. Well, I'm saved because of what He did for me. I'm saved because He took what He did for me and applied it to my life. So I want you to be sure. I want to be sure to make you understand. I'm not talking about salvation. What I'm talking about, though, is this in uh, chapter 10, verse 9. He now says in, in the second part, He says, And they will come in and go out and find pasture. Remember, we're sheep. Remember, He's our shepherd. And He says, My sheep are going to go in the door and they're going to find green pasture and gracious provision. And, and, and when my sheep go out the door, they're going to find green pasture and gracious provision. And when I'm at church, I find green pasture and gracious provision. When I'm at home, I can find green pasture and gracious provision. When, when I'm holding and playing with my grandchildren, I'll find green pasture and gracious provision. When I'm in a hard spot and, and I'm sick or been diagnosed with something, I can still find green pasture and gracious provision. You see, the revolving door means <clears throat> no matter where you get in and no matter where you get out, as a sheep, as a child of God who has a shepherd that looks out for us no matter where I am, going in or coming out, I'm stepping in to green pasture and gracious provision. Amen? Now, when I was a kid, I had three brothers. And on occasion, back in the day, you didn't go to the mall every week. In fact, a mall didn't even exist. Okay? But you would occasionally end up somewhere that had a revolving glass door. And I remember getting a whipping because of the revolving door. Because if you've got three brothers and you get in a revolving door, it's game on, all right? You're going to spin that thing around. You, you, you might get slung out the revolving door, but you're not intentionally getting out. And so we would get in trouble. And I'm going to be honest with you. I like a revolving door. Kendra would probably... I've been with her. She's trying to get off and I'm scooting it on around where she can't get off just to make her go around again. All right? I still think those things are fun and cool. All right? And when I was thinking about this, Jesus provides for us a revolving door. You see, when I was a small child, excuse me, when, when I was an early, a young Christian, to try to live for Jesus, sometimes I felt like I had, I was so boxed in. I was so confined to be pleasing to God. And, and I felt like if I, colored outside the lines a little bit, man, God was just waiting to thump me. And, and, and the devil would use it against me. He would accuse me of, of, of not being a good Christian. And man, I just battled with it. It took me a long time to realize that the closer we get to Jesus, the more liberated we become. The closer we get to Jesus, the more freedom 
we can't experience. The closer we get to Jesus, we realize that He's a revolving door. And no matter where we get in, and no matter where we get out, there is green pasture and gracious provision waiting for us there. It's good, good news. Now, Jesus moves on, and this is where I'm going to finish for today. Number five, the shepherd warns about another door. The next door I want to talk about is a prison door. Jesus now moves from saying, man, no matter where you come in, no matter where you go out, there's green pasture and gracious provision waiting for you. But by the way, I need to give you another warning. There's another door of opportunity, the prison door. Here's what he says in verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We live in a world now that wants to wait around in the shallow end of the sinful pool. A, a world that wants to dibble-dabble in the garbage of this world. That wants to mess around with the things that have teeth and hooks and talons. And, and, and we look at what the world says about it. Oh, it's not that bad. If it was that bad, everybody wouldn't embrace it. If it was that bad, they wouldn't pro, uh, promote it as something so good. What does it look like from your preacher's perspective? It looks like the lottery. It looks like alcohol. It looks like cigarettes. It looks like immorality. It looks like sexual confusion. It looks like pornography. It looks like all of that. I'm not a sin police and I'm not picking on any of those things, but I have some common sense enough to know all of those things have hooks, talons, and teeth. And all of those things are promoted as something wonderful, right? And it's not that wonderful. And a lot of people have ruined their lives because of those things. Now, I want you to know why that's the way it is. Because Jesus tells us right now, right here, about the prison door. It looks like a door of opportunity, but when you get to the other side, it's not exactly what you thought it would be. I want to ask a question. Have you ever had an opportunity in this life that just simply seemed too good to be true, only to find out when you walked through that door it was too good to be true? If you've ever done that, blow your horn. Whoa, you bunch of sinners. We're at church here. I'm not the Catholic priest. Y'all confessing all that stuff. Yeah, all of us have walked through a door that simply things looked so good. On the other side of the door, it was not that good. He says, Jesus tells us how that's real. There's a word in there that says only. Only. The thief, the, the kleptes, he only comes. Only comes for three reasons. That's his motivation. That, that, that's, that's all He comes for. He doesn't come to be your friend. He doesn't come to bring a friend. He doesn't come to give you love. He doesn't come to uh, send you someone who will love you. He only comes for three reasons. Jesus says He's always been this way and He always will. He comes to steal 
everything good from you. He comes to kill your relationship with God and your eternal destiny. And He comes to destroy everything in your life. You see, when we wade into the shallow end of the pool of sinfulness and splash around with it, the enemy is in there with us and he didn't come to splash around and play. He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you see, what we do on a regular basis, what I've done certainly on a regular basis, is find moments in my life where I tell God, God, I, I thank you for being my shepherd. And I'm a Christian. I'm a sheep. But in this moment, I think I can navigate through this on my own. I think I'll be fine by myself. I, I'll be my own shepherd. Because we know if we allow Him to be our shepherd, we probably won't be doing what it is we're getting ready to do. What does that look like? It looks like in the early days of creation, when Adam and Eve were created, Mr. Crafty, the thief, shows up and he had a motivation. And, and, and he revealed his motivation to, to Eve like this. He said, you know, he said, if you will take of the fruit, God's holding back. If you will partake of that fruit, your eyes, man, will be open and you'll become wise like God. His motivation was not their wisdom. His motivation was to steal, kill, and destroy. And boy, did he ever win that battle. He, he stole their right standing with God. He, he killed their intimate relationship with God. And had it not been for an outside intervention by God, he would have destroyed their eternal relationship and any hope that they would ever have. So Jesus saw the devil in the garden. But Jesus saw him up close and personal again. You see, after Jesus was baptized, the Bible says he was led straightway into the wilderness to be tempted. He had a personal encounter with this same enemy and he knew that his goal was to steal, kill, and destroy. And so after Jesus battled all of the temptations of man, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. He defeated the enemy on our behalf. And so he says in this verse, he says, the thief comes. Now listen to me. We're almost done. Jesus is telling you, Jesus is telling me, the thief is coming. Tell your neighbor in your car, on your couch, the thief is coming. You see, sometimes we think, well, I'm a sheep, I've been saved, I've been born again, and uh, I, don't, uh, I, I don't have to worry anymore. I want you to know, I want you to be aware, Jesus says, the thief comes. He is coming. But he didn't stop there. But I'm going to stop there. And you're going to have to come back next week to hear the rest. Here's what I want you to know today. Of everything you've heard, there's a question 
that should resonate in your heart. And it is this. Am I a sheep? Or am I not? And how do I really know? Do I follow Jesus' instruction? Do I want to do what Jesus says to do? Do I want to say the things that Jesus says to say? If I do, I am a sheep. If I don't, I am not a sheep. And so for you today, I want everybody here to be a sheep. And I really believe Jesus wants everybody here to be a sheep. And I want to pray for you right now. Join me as we pray. Father, we thank you for this windy, cool morning that we can come together under these clouds and worship the greatness of who you are. God, I thank you for your word of truth found in John 10 that we have an exclusive door and our exclusive door loves us so much he has provided a way, a way of deliverance that we can be delivered from our sinful condition and have a right relationship with you. God, I'm so thankful that you don't hide the reality that there is an enemy who hates us. There is an enemy who stands against us. There is an enemy who tries to steal, kill, and destroy everything that you do in our life. And God, I thank you that you've warned us. And God, my fear is this morning that there are those who are listening, who they know in their heart because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they're not a sheep. That they may have a religion. That they may have a confession. They may have a profession. But they don't have a possession of salvation. That they don't have a walk with you. That they're not delivered in, in liberty and freedom because of Jesus. And God, I pray that they would be willing today to simply say, God, I want to be a sheep. God, I want you to come into my heart and save me. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I'm a sheep and I want you to be my good shepherd. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. God, I pray if somebody has made that decision today that they will go public with it, that they will never be ashamed, never look back, only move forward in the life that you provide. God, we thank you for this day. As we move forward, I pray that we would continue to encourage and to be Jesus in our dark world. I pray it in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. So as we leave today, our offering buckets will be along the road. If you'd like to do that today, I want you to be blessed. I want you to have a wonderful week. And I want you to know that you've got a door, an exclusive door. And He has made a way for you to live in freedom with Him. And no matter where you find yourself, whether going in or coming out, you can find green pastures and gracious provision. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We love you, and if you need us, you call. God bless.